Hello everybody, I'm Dr. D.C. Cofield, Senior Pastor at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. I want to thank you today for the privilege of your time. You know we can't reclaim time, but we can redeem the time, which means we make good use of the time that we have given to us right now. And I want to thank you today for the privilege of your time, allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. The Good Old Missionary Baptist Church is committed to loving God, loving all people, and changing the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And we want to make disciples who make disciples. Now, before we go any further, let me say happy Palm Sunday to all of the believers who are watching. Now, for those of you who may not be believers, who may be tuning in for the first time, Palm Sunday is that Sunday that took place the week prior to the crucifixion and ultimately the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Palm Sunday was that Sunday that Jesus made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. They cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What a powerful week, a powerful week. It's when the Passover meal was converted into what we call the Lord's Supper or the Holy Communion. It's the week that the temple was cleansed. It's the week that the fig tree was cursed. It's the week that uh, the, 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 the Good Friday crucifixion took place. And we know we could only call it Good Friday as we look back at it through the lens of Resurrection Sunday. And then that, of course, leads us to that high holy day in the church, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. I'm grateful for you being here on today. And as you think about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, think about his entry into your heart, into your life. And if you haven't done so, my hope and my prayer is by the end of this broadcast today, you would make a decision to say yes to Jesus Christ. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Matthew 21, beginning at verse 1. We're reading from the New King James translation of the scriptures, and it reads as follows Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her loose them and bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying tell the daughter of Zion behold your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey a colt the foal of a donkey so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them they brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them and he set on them and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried saying Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest and when he had come into Jerusalem all the city was moved saying who is this so the multitude said this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. I've read for you Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. This is the word of the Lord and our proper response is thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time right now. Father we bless you and we thank you for this day and for this time. We pray now that everything that we do and everything that we say, that it will be pleasing in your sight. God, may you be glorified. May your people be edified. And may the devil be horrified and terrified at the life-giving, life-changing power 
of the word of God as it goes forth. We ask you to bless now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's prepare to worship the Lord together in song. Following that, we'll have our word for today. And we look forward to God blessing us as we continue our theme, being great for God. We want to be a great people for the great God we serve. Come on, let's worship together. Good morning, good hope. Anybody come to bless the name of the Lord this morning? Come on and clap your hands wherever you are. It's time for praise and worship. Come on, clap your hands like this.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anybody know that the Lord is good? I said, do you truly know that the Lord is good? Hallelujah. Song says, Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. I can praise you enough. I want you my life. Can praise you enough. Even if I tried, cause you've been so good. Lord, you are good. You've been better than good. Come on, say, I can't praise you. I hold you my life. Said, I can praise you. Even if I try. Lord, you've been so good to me. Come on, come on, take that right here. Say, Lord, you are good. So you've been better than good. So I can praise you. I hold you my life. Come on, say, even if I try. So good to me. Come on, we're taking that one more time. Even if I try, so good, you've been so good, Lord, you've been so good to me. That's my favorite part right here. It says, so. So many ways you made, hey, so many times you've healed me. Can I say that one more time? Oh, so many doors you opened, so many ways you made, so many times you've healed me, Jesus. You've been better than good to me, so many doors, so many doors you so many ways. Just think about it, so many times. When I don't deserve it, you've been better than good to me. So many doors, so many ways, so many times you've healed me. You've been better than good to me. Stay right there. So many doors, so many ways, so many times you've healed me. You've been better than good to me. Come on, stay right there. So many doors. So many times you tell me, Lord, you've been better than good to me. So many doors, so many ways, so many times you've been better than good to me. So many doors, so many ways, so many times, Lord, you've been better. One more time.
the south that I know He's been so good I could never repay you, Lord For what you've done for me How you lose my shackles, Lord How you set me free How you made a way That's why I say God, oh, cause you've been so good, you've been so good, help me sing it, you've been, you've been so good, so good, oh, you've been, you've been so good, now stop, you've been Come on and worship the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Man, the worship of music is so powerful. Uh, I don't know if you realize this. Uh, the truth of the matter is, and, and, and many preachers and pastors don't like to admit this, but more theology is taught good and bad from songs and remembered from songs than from sermons. Uh, it's easier to remember things that are set to music. That's why when we learn the ABCs, we, we learn the ABCs to a certain song, a jingle. And, and that jingle is still familiar to us even now uh, because it allows uh, a multiple areas of the brain to be fired in the attempt to memorize something and uh, what a powerful powerful tool to remember the songs of Zion and remember who God is in the midst of all that we're going through and we give him praise because we sing with others Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord let's go to God in prayer ask God's blessings on our time father pray now that you'll bless your word as it goes forth as your word goes forth allow it to find fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people that we would be more than just hearers of your word help us to be doers as well it's in Jesus name we pray amen Many of you remember the great Muhammad Ali, uh, boastful, braggadocious. He was the only fighter ever to have boastfully proclaimed, I am the greatest. He went so far as to say, I'm not only the greatest right now, I'm the greatest of all time. I can remember hearing older brother said man he couldn't have done nothing with Joe Lewis matter of fact I remember when he defeated George Foreman in the rumble in the jungle right in Zaire Africa and, and I can remember when that fight was coming up those old timers would be saying things like man he he can't handle George George is going to destroy him as a matter of fact I remember that late great broadcaster Howard Cosell predicting that Muhammad Ali would be defeated. Felt like Muhammad had taken on more than he could handle. Well, you know the story. George Foreman was knocked out by Muhammad Ali. I had an opportunity to ask George Foreman about that fight on one occasion, and George Foreman just kind of smiled as he typically does and says you know I lost that fight he said but what's interesting is Muhammad would never give me a rematch <laughs> and I thought about it I was like wow yeah you got a point uh, because they said Muhammad Ali took a pounding took a beating George Foreman was the closest thing that we had seen to the late great brown bomber Joe Lewis 
and Muhammad Ali took him down. And man, the boasting got even greater. I am the greatest, the greatest of all time. And here's what's interesting. When somebody says they are the greatest, they are proclaiming that they are the greatest in comparison to other people. Uh, Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Some would say Michael Jordan. Some would go back further and say Wilt Chamberlain. If you're looking at me right now and you're saying Wilt who? Well, that's a problem, right? Uh, Who's the greatest cook of all time, the greatest chef of all time? Who's the greatest football player of all time? Who, Who is the greatest lover of all time, right? And typically when we identify somebody who is the greatest, we are comparing them to others in their field trying to to determine and decide who has the greatest level of proficiency, productivity, who is the person who has done the most in that respective field. But here's the question I want to ask you. Have you thought about how you can be the greatest? Now, you may be looking at me saying, okay, Pastor, what do you mean? The greatest what? The greatest you. Like, if you were going to live your life in comparison to anybody, because your comparison to somebody else is always subjective, it is always left up to the person who is doing the judging. And sometimes the people who are judging have limited or short memories. Here's a question I would ask you. What would it take for you to be the greatest you you could possibly be? So when you stand up and say, I am the greatest, you're not comparing yourself to anybody else. You're not looking at anybody around you. But you can proudly proclaim, I am the greatest me that I've ever been in my life. There's been no me greater than who I am right now. We've been walking through and talking about in this 150th anniversary celebration, uh, being a great people for a great God. That's our theme. And today... I want to talk about being your greatest for God, being your greatest for God. What will it take for you individually to be the best that you can possibly be for God? You see, typically when we talk about church and we'll often hear pastors kind of tongue in cheek say, man, my my church is the best church this side of heaven. I I pastor the greatest people this side of heaven, right? But, but, but even in that scenario, we are, whether consciously or subconsciously, we're in a comparative kind of mode looking at what we do and who we have in comparison to somebody else. But, but, but today, I want you to look in the mirror at yourself. I want you to think for a moment And ask yourself the question, am I giving God the best that I have? Am I the greatest I can possibly be for God? And let me submit this to you, my brothers and sisters. In order for you to be the greatest Christian, the greatest Christ follower you can possibly be, you have to make a commitment to live out wholeheartedly the great commission, the great commandment, and the great commitment. The great commission, the great commandment, and the great commitment. I'm going to look at these uh, in more detail as we continue on throughout this year-long celebration, but but let me just share with you in a somewhat cursory way some thoughts around this idea of being your greatest for God. Here's the first thing. Number one, To be your greatest for God, you must be a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples. You must be a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples. Um, This is a passage we looked at not too long ago, but let me just refresh your memory. Verse 16, Matthew 28, 
The New Living Translation reads, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Your purpose as a Christian is to become a disciple who makes disciples. Your purpose as a Christian is to become a disciple who makes disciples. We become a disciple when we give our life to the Lord. Remember that one imperative, make disciples, two participles, baptizing them and teaching them, baptizing them, we believe refers to a believer's baptism because you must repent, believe, and be baptized. Baptism does not save, but baptism is the evidence that you have been saved and an outward profession of your inward faith in God. But discipleship does not stop with evangelism. It starts there, but it doesn't stop there. Because the text says, and we teach them to observe all things. Teach them to observe what God has said. And so you have evangelism on one side of the discipleship coin and edification on the other side of the discipleship coin. Remember, it's in the imperative mood and the active voice, which means you must make it your business to make disciples. My brothers and sisters, let me share this with you. Many of us are in the disciple-making business. We're just not in the business of making disciples for Jesus. People see you as a mentor. They look at you as somebody they look up to. And my question is, how much Jesus do they see in you? How much Jesus do they see coming out of you? Is there enough evidence that you are a child of God that as you are mentoring them, as you are modeling for them, how to live the Christian life as they communicate with you and talk with you, are they inspired to make Jesus Christ their Savior and Lord? And at the end of the day, you must be a disciple who makes disciples. See, it's not enough to say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and then I'm going to get in my holy huddle, or I'm going to be like the turtle in the shell, pull my head in, pull my legs in, pull my arms in, and I'm just going to stay in my little space, and I'm going to be happy with Jesus alone. No, when you become a disciple, you have to make a commitment to make disciples. And you make disciples when you give people your time, and you give them your energy, and you give them the teachings of Jesus so that they can apply it in their everyday lives. Here's the second thing if you're going to be your greatest for God. Number two, to be your greatest for God, you must love the way God loves. To be your greatest for God, you must love the way God loves. Now, when we talk about love, we're not talking about syrupy sentimentality. We're not talking about Cupid flying around as a cartoon character shooting arrows into people. We're not talking about falling in love or falling out of love. We're talking about the highest form of love that the world has ever seen. It's the love that God has for you and for me. But here's what's interesting. The love that God has for us, he expects us to embody that love, to reflect that love, to show that love to all that we come in contact with. Look at Mark chapter 12. Verse 28, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Verse 31, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You know what's interesting to me, my brothers and sisters, how many believers, how many Christians, how many Christ followers believe it is their primary charge in life to criticize and condemn. When Jesus says the first and greatest commandment and the second one right behind it is to love. Go to A. As a disciple, you must love God. You must love God. He says you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, here's what's interesting. That word love, uh, we know the noun form of that word, agape. This is the verb form, agapao, right? And it speaks to the unconditional undeserved, unmerited love that we receive from God. It's God loving us at our worst in order for us to become our best. It's the love that sees the good instead of focusing on the bad. Now, here's what's interesting. The same love that God has for us It's the same love that we are to have and to give to one another. It's the same love we are to have for ourselves. But in this passage, it's the same love that we are to give to God. See, here's what I believe Jesus wants us to understand. That loving God does not come naturally. As a matter of fact, salvation is not based upon you loving God. Salvation is based upon you recognizing God's love for you. But I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that even though God loves us unconditionally, there are many of us who love God conditionally. We have not learned how to love God no matter what. So it's as if Jesus says, You do know loving God is a choice. Like you can choose to love God or choose not to love God. Let me give you, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, When I get angry with God because God didn't do what I wanted done the way I wanted it done or when I wanted it done, am I really loving God? like I should. When I question God about what has transpired in my life, am I really loving God like I should? When I question God instead of trusting God, am I really loving God like I should? Oh, wait a minute. When I decide to do what I want, Instead of trusting God and obeying him, even when it doesn't make sense, am I really loving God? See, the Lord teaches us that we can only be our greatest when we love the way God loves. I told you, A, as a disciple, you must love God. But B, as a disciple, you must love all people. You must love all people. You've got to have a love For all people, that's why he said the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's an assumption there that you have a love for yourself. And Jesus says, just like you have a love for yourself, man, use that as the template to love your neighbor. Now, for somebody who may be listening, maybe your inability to love others is because you really don't have a foundational or fundamental love for yourself. And you may be looking at me saying, you know what, Pastor, you're right. I don't have a love for myself because I've never been taught how to love myself because I grew up in a household full of criticism and condemnation. I got you. And that's why you've got to learn how to look beyond your family of origin, beyond your family of 
birth, beyond your foster family, you've got to look beyond those who were in your life and look to God to get affirmation of the love you are worth having. Because that's the love that God gives to you. Look at John 13, beginning at verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love for others is the proof that you are a disciple of Jesus, that you are truly a Christ follower. I think one of the reasons we have seen a drop, a substantive drop, in people who are attending church, in the number of people who identify as Christian, is because we have failed to love like God has commanded us to love. We have become more condemning than we are compassionate. And if people live their life in a way that we don't agree with, even if they live their lives in a way that God doesn't agree with. Condemnation and judgment is in God's hand. That's above your pay grade and above my pay grade. And the truth of the matter is they will never come into the kingdom by being berated and hated. They will only come into the kingdom when they experience the real love of God. Let me share with you the last thing. If you're going to be your greatest for God, I told you, number one, to be your greatest for God, you must be a disciple of Jesus Christ who makes disciples. Number two, to be your greatest for God, you must love the way God loves. Here's the third and final thing. To be your greatest for God, you must commit to living in a way that changes the world. You must commit to living in a way that changes the world. I need everybody just for a moment to recognize that God has created you to be a world changer. If I asked you right now, who is somebody that you would identify as somebody who changed the world? I don't know who you would pick. You, you might pick uh, Martin Luther King Jr. You might pick Nelson Mandela. You might pick Uh, Oprah Winfrey, you might pick the Queen of England. I don't know who you would pick. You might pick the late Bishop Desmond Tutu. But here's what I want you to know. God has created you to be a world changer. God has created you to change the world. Whether your world is big or small, God says change your part of the world By making a commitment to be a world changer. Look what Acts chapter 17 verse 6 says. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. The mob could not find Paul and Silas. They were out someplace. Paul had been staying at the house of this man named Jason. So they come looking for Paul and Silas. They can't find Paul and Silas. So they grab Jason and some brothers who were there, some other believers, and they make to them two charges. Here's what they were charged with. They were charged with being messengers of a revolutionary message and then they were charged with the message itself he says these are they who have come and turned the world upside down what do you mean turn the world upside down they literally have created some trouble some problems with the status quo the late john lewis would call it good trouble They literally created some confusion around the status quo. Remember, 
Bad times are good times for somebody. And the people who benefit from the bad times being in place don't like it when somebody identifies and tries to change the bad times that have been their good times. There were people who were benefiting from the multiplicity of religions that were being professed in Asia Minor. There were people who were benefiting from making all kinds of idols and images that did not like this message of an invisible God who lived inside of you. There, there were people who didn't like the fact that prostitutes were getting converted and not selling their bodies anymore. And pimps who made money off of the prostitutes now were losing profit and Drug dealers who make their living selling drugs were not happy when drug addicts were becoming converted and their tastes were changing and they were no longer addicted to the drug. They were now following Jesus. They, they had a problem with that. They turned the world upside down. There's one pastor in South America, Colombia in particular, whose church is so large and whose ministry is so expansive that when he would call for all-night prayer meetings, they would literally fill soccer stadiums with the members of his church, the members of his ministry. And when he called for a 24-hour prayer shutdown, that everything would change in the country. So much so that the drug cartels put a contract on his life, not one time, not two times, but I believe three different occasions. They wanted to take this pastor out because he was turning the world upside down. See, the messengers were the people whose lives were changed by the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. But the message itself was that you make Jesus Christ the king of your life, that he becomes your savior and Lord. How do we turn the world upside down? Look at A, you ought to share the gospel by witnessing to others. Share the gospel by witnessing to others. The Bible says in verse 2, Acts 17, and Paul went in and as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. He literally would go into the outer court of the temple and would argue and reason that the Christ who was spoken of in the Hebrew scriptures, that that was the Christ that had been crucified. And I want you to notice in verse 4, the text says, and some of them were persuaded. Why? Because everybody's not going to be persuaded. But we do not preach and teach the gospel. We do not witness to others so that all may come, because all will not come. But we want to see the some who would come come to know Jesus. But watch B. It's not only sharing the gospel by witnessing to others. You ought to show the gospel by serving others. You ought to show the gospel by serving others. Verse 42, Mark chapter 10, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them but among you it will be different whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many we are called to serve we are called to serve not to be served We share the gospel with our words. We show the gospel by our work. I cannot tell you, my brothers and sisters, how many people come through 
every week, every month, come through the food pantry. And they're blessed by the provisions that are made by God through this congregation. And they come through and say, man, said, I've got to come to your church. I've got to visit your church. Listen, not because we are preaching hellfire and brimstone to them while they come through. Not because we are challenging them with the four spiritual laws when they come through. They want to come because of the love of God that they are experiencing and receiving from the people of God. When we share the gospel by witnessing and show the gospel by serving, we make Jesus the main attraction. The old song said it like this, how to reach the masses, men of every birth for an answer, Jesus gave the key. He said, if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. All the world is hungry for the living bread. Lift the Savior up for them to see. Trust him and do not doubt the words that he said, I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up. Lift him up till he speaks from eternity. Then I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men, all women, all boys, all girls. I'll draw humanity unto me. Maybe it's time to lift him above everything and everybody else. See, the key to being your greatest for God is to make sure your priority is lifting the Savior. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. I pray now, God, that everything that we have said and everything that we have done has been pleasing in your sight. God, I thank you today for just blessing us to celebrate this Lord's Supper today to celebrate this entrance into Jerusalem today. And I pray now, God, that as we celebrate what you have done for us, I pray that we would be reminded of how we can be the greatest we can be for you. Help us to recognize, God, that being our greatest doesn't happen when we compare ourselves to others, help us to recognize that we are our greatest when we are the best that you have created us to be. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For somebody who is watching today, for somebody who is uh, wondering what is it that God wants from you. I want to extend to you an opportunity today to say yes to the Lord. See, I submit to you that you can't be your greatest, you can't be your best until you give yourself to the Lord. Because he has created you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you can only find your potential fulfilled for life and living when you walk in the way that God wants you to walk. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, you've never given Jesus Christ an opportunity to become Savior and Lord of your life, I want you to click on the button that says, I want to become a Christian. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord. And I will show you via video how to ask the Lord into your life, how to pray the prayer of salvation. We believe that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not perfect, but saved. And then we can help you walk from there. Wherever you are in the world, we'll help you connect with other believers. Wherever you are in the world, uh, we can help you think through that next step of obedience, getting baptized, and what that can look like. Somebody asked me, they said, well, well, how do you baptize online? We don't baptize per se online 
but we help facilitate the baptism of people who want to get baptized. So we, we've had people getting baptized in pools and tubs. We've had people getting baptized in bodies of water. Um, it's all really about the commitment and the willingness to make that profession of your faith outwardly in the act of baptism. If you're looking for a church home and you believe this is where God wants you to be for this season of your journey, man, we would love to have you. You can come and join us in person. Uh, we're meeting at 10 a.m. each Sunday at 3015 North McGregor Way. But if you are not in the Houston metropolitan area, you can still become part of our church family. We want to help facilitate your discipleship on the digital platform. And we can do that for you even right now to help you grow, help point you in the right direction so that your walk with God can be more of a victory and less of being a victim. So just click on the link. I want to join church and we'll connect with you and give you the next steps. Now, for those of you who would like to worship the Lord in giving, you haven't already done that. There are six different ways you can worship the Lord in giving on the digital platform. I want to thank all of you for your faithfulness in your giving. Um, there's so many things that we want to do to be a blessing to people, not just locally, but nationally and internationally. And those things only happen because of your giving. So let me give you an example. One of the stories you're going to hear about in the coming weeks is a couple that we are supporting in Ghana, in the northern region of Ghana. Um, this is a tough area of Ghana, a tough spiritual area of Ghana. Uh, but this couple has been adopted by our church. We helped to send them to school, and now they're on the mission field, and they are serving right there. I mean, front lines ministry. And we got a call that their support had been waning. They were having a tough time raising support. And so we moved forward to triple our support to them to multiply our support to them by three uh, to do our part to make sure that the gospel gets to these far regions of our world and of course the Sloans are in Uganda we're excited about what God is doing with Reverend Mark Sloan and Sister Marshall Sloan and uh, man all we can do is praise God for how God is using them now that's just one aspect of the mission that God has us doing. We're, we're helping to plant church locally. We, we not only planted four churches out of our church, but we're supporting other church planters who are seeking to take the gospel to communities to create neighborhood churches. Um, and we're also, of course, doing our work every week with our food pantry. And, and we're serving hundreds of people every week, encouraging them in the Lord and addressing issues of food insecurity and the like. If you'd like to join with us, you can partner with us and give. You can set up a recurring gift if you'd like to do that as well on any of the platforms that you'd like to give on. But we would love for you to partner with us in the kingdom building work. Uh, don't forget this week, Holy Week services, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, we will celebrate the final week of Jesus's life on earth leading up to the crucifixion on Good Friday. So that's Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday night, we'll celebrate our children. Our children are going to do their Easter speeches on Wednesday night. And uh, man, we're excited to hear our children as our children's ministry, Dr. Misha Birkins and the children's ministry team and our parents deposit into our children good seed that we pray will result in good fruit in their future. And then Thursday, we have Maudie Thursday service. And then Friday, we have Good Friday services, seven last words. And we are looking forward to and excited about our seven last words. Uh, we're going to have seven last words from a woman's perspective, uh, seven sayings of the cross on the cross. And then we have a seven last words by our brothers, uh, and we're excited about that. And then we come back for Resurrection Sunday on next Sunday. And I'm looking forward to God blessing in a special, special way. So please stay with us. Now, don't forget, 
children's ministry, if you'd like to minister in our children's ministry and you would like to receive uh, information, please click on the QR code that you see or take a picture of the QR code with your camera and register for any one of these areas. And Dr. Misha Birkins will be in contact with you if you'd like to serve in our children's ministry. Last but not least, man, don't forget our 150th church anniversary celebration, our sesquicentennial celebration, and we are celebrating all year long. April, we're celebrating with our church anniversary gala, and that's going to be at the Hyatt Regency Hotel in the Galleria. Uh, we're excited about what God is going to do. Some great church attainment is going to be in place. Great worship is going to be in place. And we're looking forward to God blessing in a powerful way. You want to get your tickets. You want to be there. That's April the 23rd, our 150th anniversary church banquet. Now, next Sunday's Easter Sunday. Listen, we're going to have one service one service. In the past, we've done three services. Um, we've rented out big spaces, but there are a whole lot of people who are not coming back to church. And so we invite you, if you're not coming back to worship with us online next week, Lord said the same, we'll be right back here for our Resurrection Sunday service. But if you'd like to come out, you can come to the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, come to our campus where we meet. 3015 North McGregor Way next Sunday, 10 a.m. only, 10 a.m. only. So we're going to do everything that we can. We've been probably about 30% of our capacity, right under 30% of our capacity. So we figure if everybody comes back and then some, we should be in good shape, right? So you can come back, worship with us. We'll also have some overflow set up. So if you're not necessarily comfortable being around a crowd, um, you can worship in the overflow. Masks are recommended. We're not requiring them. So we're not keeping people out. If they don't have masks, you don't have to register. Uh, we would like for you to register just so we have some data and information on who's coming. But we welcome you to come out for Resurrection Sunday. All right. Last but not least, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. So let's God, let God do a great work and let's celebrate it together. All right? Until next time, God bless is my prayer.